Hey there, Koejo here, and I understand that running your own Facebook ads can be quite complicated and intimidating, and yet, at this point, you're not ready to hire out Facebook ad management. So, if this is you, I can teach you how to run your own Facebook ads. One-on-one, -on -one, unlimited support over the next 28 days. We will have three Zoom calls, and in between those calls, you get all the support and all my strategies I will audit your graphics, your ad copy, make sure that you're set up the way that's working best for my clients. We'll take care of all the analytics. I will coach you step-by-step step how to troubleshoot ads, how to know when to scale, and how to read all the signs so that you're equipped to run successful lead magnet campaigns and profitable sales campaigns and registration campaigns for your launch or what have you. If you need this kind of support from me right now, then click the link in the show notes below. It's the art of online business forward slash call. I've been doing this all along, but now the offer is just focused on helping you run your successful ad campaign within the next 28 days and the next five people get a pretty nice discount. All right, the link is in the show notes below. Back to the episode. Hey, my friends, before we get into today's episode with Ali Bjork, if you're feeling overwhelmed in your business, if you're really not sure what next steps that you need to be taking in your business, if you really want to have a bigger impact with what you're doing, you know, which is going to result in more revenue, right? Bigger impact, more revenue, but you're not really sure how to achieve that without simply working harder and longer. Because, my friend, that is not the answer. If you're nodding your head right now as you're listening, then my accelerator coaching program may be exactly what you need to get you unstuck in optimizing your business towards seven figures. Okay. My accelerator coaching program, this is both a one-on-one -on -one and group coaching program. This is for online course creators and online coaches who are already averaging at least six to eight K per month in revenue, in your online business, right? But you're now spinning your wheels, you're overwhelmed, and you're very likely burnt out from just doing everything. And again, you're really not sure what next steps that you need to be taking in order to grow your business even more, again, without working longer and harder. If this sounds like something that you might be interested in, I want to invite you to apply. All right. So to learn more and apply, go to rickmulready.com forward slash accelerator. All right. Let's cue the music. Welcome to the Art of Online Business Podcast. My name is Rick Mulready, and I'm an online business coach, Facebook and Instagram ads expert, lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm a total coffee snob as well. Each week, you're going to learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips that take the guesswork out of growing and scaling a profitable online business so that you can truly become an entrepreneur with impact. This podcast is your secret weapon for fast-tracking the growth of your online business. Let's do this. What's up, my friend? Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for coming to hang out with me today. Super appreciate you. Hope all's going well, whatever you're up to right now. I am super, super pumped about my guest today. Her name is Allie Bjork. And you know all those ads that you see in the Facebook newsfeed or the Instagram newsfeed and therefore, you know, say like a, a $27 product or a $37 product or what have you. Well, they're called small offers. They're called self-liquidating offers. They're called tiny offers. Tiny offers, Ali trademarked 
that term, which I think is genius because this strategy of running ads to a small price product isn't anything new, but Allie's really brought it to the forefront over the past couple of years. And she teaches it in her business how to do this in a really, really smart and thoughtful way. And so that's why I wanted to invite Allie on the podcast here to share how to do this, how to create a tiny offer funnel in your business. So we get into a lot of things in this interview here today. Things like how she created her first successful tiny offer, who should and should not be doing a tiny offer funnel in their business, what kind of sales page works best for tiny offer funnels. We talk all about order bumps, meaning the question to be asking yourself to be able to come up with, what should those order bumps be for your funnel? We talk about ads budget, where to start to try to make these types of funnels successful. And then we also talk about percentages, meaning, all right, what should this sales conversion percent be of people landing on the first sales page, taking up on the offer? And then what is the next percentage based on the order bump? And then what's the next percentage? She gives some guidelines here in this episode. We have a really great conversation. Super excited to share it with you. So without further ado, let's go hang out with Allie Birk. Allie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So before we get into talking about small offers, I'm going to start by calling it that. Did you really trademark tiny offers? I did. And it's a good thing that I did too, because it's like it's a whole I, thing now. I think it's brilliant. Oh, I think thanks. it's brilliant. <laughs> thanks. Because when I first heard that, I was like, she did what? And then I'm like, then I, the more I thought about it, I was like, damn, that was really smart. That was yeah. really smart. Yeah. And it wasn't even my idea. I mean, it was a, a lawyer had reached out to me on Instagram and they're like, hey, I think you should do this because of XYZ. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. So I can't take all the credit for having that idea, but I'm super glad that I did it. Did you file that trademark through that lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it was a it, good pitch. It worked. It worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah, for sure. Now, before we get into all that, what the heck is a tiny offer, et cetera, et cetera, let's let my audience know who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Allie Bjerk. I am from Northern Minnesota. I've been in the online business space for probably, gosh, like seven or eight years now. The first six years, I didn't even crack six figures in my business. I was a service provider, building funnels, running ads, geeking out over your podcasts like crazy (laughs) three (laughs) years ago. Yeah, you're welcome. And just trying to learn as much as I possibly could. But I kept feeling like there was a little bit more to the business, more I could be doing as behind the scenes of everyone else's launches, running their ads and building their funnels. And I I was the marketer with no marketing and I hated it. And I, I finally decided that I needed a funnel. I had launched a funnel two times, didn't really work, but I didn't spend a lot of time optimizing it or, you know, I was too busy working on other people's projects at the time. But then I decided, like, you know what, this is it. I either go all in with this big dream that I have to teach and educate and, you know, help people learn about building funnels and running ads. Um, and then I went from, you know, barely cracking six figures to hitting $3.2 million in the span of about two years. So it was it was a wild ride. The success that I had initially was from what I've trademarked, a tiny offer, which is a self-liquidating offer is another name for it. But essentially a process of offers that ascend from anywhere from $27 up to about $77 or $197 as the OTO. Okay. That was just your introduction. And I have like so Ooh. many things to unpack, <laughs> un- like to talk about there. Yeah. So for six years, you said that you didn't crack six figures. So why do you think that was? I, I loved you. I wrote down like you said that you were the marketer with no marketing. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that was? I, I mean, I think that's a great line and great like you're like you realize that. 
Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what it is now. But at the time, it was all mindset. I mean, it was showing up as the person with a voice and having visibility and all of the things that, you know, we kind of shy away from. And some of it I blamed on at the time was like, oh, I'm just a humble person. I'm Minnesotan. So, of course, like Minnesota nice. But I think a lot of it was a story I had spun or a narrative that I had spun of like, I'm too nice and too humble. Like, I don't want to make it about me. And I don't want like, it's not the alley show or whatever. Like, I think I had spun a whole story about what it looked like to step up and be an educator, or you know, quote unquote influencer. Like, I think I had resistance to that because I had a different idea of what it actually meant. Where did that come from? Could you pinpoint it? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <You're>, Probably <laughs> childhood. Like, this getting deep real quick. <laughs> We're on Zoom right now. You should have just seen her face when I asked that question. <laughs> like turn white. Like, cause like I have when it comes to money mindset, I have really worked through so much stuff as far as lack mindset, limited thinking, money doesn't grow on trees, blah, 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 that I learned growing up. But yeah. like it's it's taken me a long time. And frankly, it's like it still comes up for me a lot. So like were you able to pinpoint things that had happened along the way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I was born and raised Catholic, and that was a, you know, like a whole thing of don't speak unless spoken to, like, don't stand out, don't draw attention to yourself, like, you know, don't have an ego, essentially. And I think I learned that a lot through growing up and just, you know, the humility of helping others without making it all about you was something that I grew up with a lot. Yeah. And you were doing that, you were helping people, but you were trading time hours for money. Yeah. Well, and I think another part of it too, as part of my story, like I come from a very academic family and both my siblings are doctors. Parents are super smart. So to be like, I was always the black sheep. I was like the artist and I went to school for marketing. And so I think part of that was like, who am I to think that I can actually make a, a business out of this, like a real business? I had this story that it had to be hard, that I had to work super you know, behind the scenes and be the one staying up until 2, 3 a.m. building people's funnels so they could launch them instead of like having a team and being the leader. I was much more comfortable in in working hard for the money instead of just like believing in abundance and letting it flow just because of those beliefs about needing to have a, a typical job in order to be successful. Yeah. Was that the shift in mindset that allowed you to go to you said 3.2 million and you said two years, right? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Like what happened there? What kind of shift happened in your head in order to accomplish that? Some of it was like an oh crap shift because I I was working client to client. I didn't have a business savings. Like I didn't have any of that set up. Mm. So I was working only on referral basis. And I got to a point where I didn't have any fresh referrals coming in. I was working on a few projects. I had launched for someone that didn't go as well as she had hoped. You know, when you launch a, a new program or whatever, sometimes you don't have a six figure launch. Sure. And I, having been the one that built the funnel, she had asked for a refund. And I was like, no, we did everything that that we needed to do. I'm sorry, it didn't work out. And then eight weeks after that conversation, she pushed through a chargeback. So I was laying with my son one night and I got a Stripe notification. I didn't get Stripe notifications in those days. Like I didn't yeah. make passive income, but it said money was going to be debited from my account. And it was like $6,000 yeah. that was coming out of my account the next morning. So I was like, crap, I don't have a list. Like I don't have any following. I have no way to get a cash injection in my business other than like manually reaching out to anyone I'd ever worked with. And like, I didn't have time to do that. And I, because I had run launches for people, I know what that runway looks like to run ads and build a program. Like I didn't have time for that either because my account was about to go negative. So I was really trying to figure out like, what can I do to make money quickly and be able to sell to cold traffic that doesn't know who I am? Cause I don't have a following. I don't have any sort of name or social proof for myself. So I launched this $27 um, live stream 365 product, which was 365 ideas for live streams. I started the ads and I was like curled up in the corner of like, oh my gosh, this is what is going to happen. 
And the very first day, it was like a three return on ad spend. I think I spent like 30 bucks and made a hundred. And I was like, holy crap, it's working. Like this is something's happening. The next day I spent $200 and made $700 back. Like I was at my dad's birthday party. And I remember showing my mom my phone and being like, people are giving me money. Like people are buying things and I don't know them. Like I don't know what's happening. But because I knew ads inside and out, I scaled it super, super fast. And I think by month two, I had made $90,000 in profit from that $27 funnel. And paid off where my account was about to go negative. But it was like a runaway train from there on. Did you at that point... And we're going to talk about you know what a tiny offer funnel looks like and all that stuff. At that point, were you only selling the $27 offer? Did you have any bumps in there at all? Or was it just the one offer? Yeah. So the $27 product was a live stream calendar. The order bump was repurposing training. because so I was like, okay, so if they're going live... They're going to have all these videos. How can we turn that into other types of social media posts? How can we repurpose? So it was a $37 order bump. And then the upsell was 77 And it was about how to use sales funnels from live streams, which coincidentally, when I first tried to launch it, well, the first two times and it didn't work. And then I just like let it sit aside. I tried to sell it as a live stream sales system as the product. And people were like, I don't want that. Like I'm not even doing Facebook Live. So why would I need the sales system? Yeah. So I had to really like dig in and think like, what do people actually want? Why aren't they doing live streams? And everyone's like, well, I would do it if I knew what to say or if I had an idea of what to do. So when I came up with the final idea that actually worked, it was because I had listened instead of like coming from the expert standpoint of like, you need to sell from your live streams. That's what's going to help you. This is really key here because so many people think like, oh, I'm going to put this out there as an offer. And they, they set the funnel up and they're like, oh, wait, nobody's buying it. My funnel's broken or something. When in fact, it's a matter of, I don't want to call it like simply doing it, but it is kind of simple. The concept like, hey, just listen to what people actually want. And in this case here, they were afraid to do this. They're like, I don't even know what to say. Bing, bing, bing. Okay, let's create a product for that. How did you listen? Because you didn't have an email list at this point, did you? No, it was all Facebook groups. So like I was in a ton of entrepreneur groups, like Female Entrepreneur Association, like these massive groups of people. And I just saw that repeated so frequently of like, oh, I just, I'm not doing it or I'm not visible because I don't know what to say. I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you what to say. And then then your excuses are out the window and you still need a sales system. <laughs> so it was, you're solving the problem, solving the main problem they have for 27 bucks. Then once they purchased that, then you offered them, what was it? Was it $37? Yeah. A $37 repurposing. Repurposing. That's right too. Mm -hmm. And did you stop there? Nope. And then then it was the $77 one-time offer. That was the, it was like a sales funnel that they could use to pitch when they're doing live stream to try to get leads from the live stream. Are you still selling this? Yeah. Nice. (laughs) 24 months later. So two years later, it's not as profitable now because there's, there's a lot of calendars out there, but sure. You made this shift here because of this experience that you had with one of your clients at the time. And I mean, there's nothing like lighting a fire when you see your phone, you know, it's like $6,000 is going to be debited (laughs) from your account. Right. And you're sitting on the couch, you said, with your son. Is that right? Mm -hmm. At the time. And like that story just makes like I can put myself in that position, like laying on the couch with my daughter and seeing something like that happen. It's like, holy cow, I got to solve this. Yeah. So you found this working. Where'd you go from here? I didn't do anything for a while. Like I just let it work. You know, I launched it in April and then summer rolled around. I pretty much took the summer off and went to the beach with my kids and traveled. And it was, it was awesome because I would just edit the ads and they would run. And then I'd come back and, you know, adjust some creative and then they'd keep running. So like in those days, 
there is no volatility in Facebook. Well, not <laughs> no volatility, but much right. less. That was two years ago. So 2019, much different than it is now. But isn't that um, weird? It's like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about like in those days. This much time. Yeah. yeah. Back in the day. But people kept asking, like, how are you doing this? How is how did you build this funnel? How did you set up the traffic? How are you scaling the ads? Like they just kept asking questions to the point where I remember one of my friends being like, if you don't create a program about this, like I'm I'm going to kill you. You have to do this. This is your thing. And I was like, yeah, I don't, but I don't really want a group coaching program. Like I'm I'm still content hiding behind my funnel. I'm still behind the scenes a little bit. Like my face is in people's news feeds because I'm running ads, but I was sure. fairly invisible on social media. But enough people kept asking about it that I was like, fine, I'll build this program and then we'll just see what happens. And I was going to launch it as a like an evergreen 997 course. And I had another friend. I have all these like really nice people in my life. <laughs> I had a, another friend that sent me a message and he was like, this needs to be a group coaching program and you need to sell it from a live webinar and you can hire me and I'll build all the things. So trusted him. He built all the tech. All I had to do was show up for the launch. I mean, do the webinar. I sold it straight $5,000 group coaching program from this live webinar. Took some sales calls myself that time um, and had some help with the sales calls too. And we ended up, I think it was like 150K launch in, in a matter of a couple months. And I was like, whoa, okay. So Tiny offers are cool, but like this is even more fun to sell higher ticket stuff and see $5,000 sales come in instead of just the $27 sales. So then I did weekly live webinars every Sunday night for probably about a year. And then Corona hit and I got nervous and we stopped. Then we went to Evergreen. Okay. I want to point something out <laughs> you just to, said there. More to unpack. Guys, Ali just said, I did weekly webinars every Sunday night. I hear from people all the time, like, how do I get better at webinars? You know, I, I had this conversation countless times with my accelerator coaching students who have webinars and they want to go right to Evergreen. Of course, everybody does. They just want to yeah. sit in the beach and Agreed. have money rain down on them. Yeah. And it's like, hey, let's get the webinar converting at and really dialed in the entire funnel dialed in and then consider evergreening. And when I throw out, do this every two weeks and they're like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wait, I know people doing it every day, like literally every day. Wow. And you did it every week, right? Yeah. And so I just wanted to point that out because Obviously, you're doing it every day for you said a year. Yeah, about that. I mean, we took some weeks off, sure. here and there, but for the most part, it was it was very frequent for a whole year. So let's just call it. Let's just call it. You're doing forty. This as a number. Forty <laughs> yeah. webinars of the same yep. webinar. You're tweaking each time, and then you're willing to at that point go to Evergreen. So I just yeah. want to like highlight that, guys, because this is something that most people really like feel strongly against. They're like, oh. This is going to be so much work and all this <laughs> right. other stuff. And like, all right, well, yes, it's going to be work to set it all up. But you just systematize it and then you tweak along the way. So when I was a service provider, this adds even more to what you were just saying. I would not take video interview calls. Like if someone wanted to hire me to run their ads and they were like, hey, let's meet on Skype. I'd be like, hmm, sorry, I guess we're not a good fit because I didn't. I was so uncomfortable being on camera that I just refused to do it. So to go from that, my first thing that I did then, I did coffee chats with people. Like I made myself do 50 coffee chats where I got on Skype and I just chatted with people. And then I got over my fear of camera. But then I went from that to my, I think my first webinar, my first live webinar had 3000 people on it. So it was like crazy town to go from not even <laughs> being willing to do one-on-one -on -one calls to like, here I am pressing play on GoToWebinar and like, there's 3000 people there. So yeah. it was very uncomfortable from the beginning. But now I'm like, oh, cool. We have a webinar night. Let's do it. Like now I'm just, I just BS with people and it's like fun. Like I like the energy behind live webinars 
So I would even keep doing them if I had an evergreen webinar that was killing it. Yeah, I, I do too. I love the energy of live webinars. Wait, so you had 50 coffee chats, like friends of yours, random people? Just Facebook groups again. I mean, I think groups were different then too. Again, like, you know, yeah. and, and a year in the internet world is like 20 in real life. <laughs> but I told people like, hey, I'm an extrovert. I want to chat with some people. I'm working in my basement. Like I'm really missing connection now that I'm self-employed. I didn't tell them like, I'm too scared to go on camera. That would be weird. But but I ended up just, you know, doing these coffee chats with people who were in the same boat. Like they wanted to connect and they wanted to just get to know people. And what was interesting is because I was uncomfortable, I didn't talk about myself at all. I was like, so tell me about your business. Where are you from? Tell me about your family. Like classic just made conversations. So the attention didn't get put on me. But mm-hmm. at the end, they'd be like, okay, so what do you do in business? I'm like, oh, I'm an ads manager. Within like a week of all those conversations, if someone said, like, who's the best ad manager you know? They're like, go to Allie, Allie Beard. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't even tell you about my ads, but like, because I had, I just connected with them. You know, it's like the classic networking, I made it about them. That was one of the first things that shifted my service side business is just the networking and actually caring about other people. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Yeah, I know. Weird. <laughs> and- Another great point here is like you weren't getting on the phone with them or getting on Skype or Zoom or whatever, like to get them as a client. You were literally doing it to like connect with other people and get more comfortable on camera. Yeah. That's it. And out of that came a whole bunch of referrals and recommendations and so forth. I think that's like a really another great point. Yeah. Who should do a tiny offer and who should not do a tiny offer? Oh, that's such a good question. It's hard because it's it is like a a multi-purpose type. Funnel. Like I've had people who have hundreds of thousands of followers who have never monetized them and they launch this tiny offer. And all of a sudden now like their blog or say they have a lot of Instagram followers and now they're finally selling something works really well for them. People who are selling something that is super high ticket and they want to get their lead costs down, they can launch and it works really well for them. But I've also had people say they were brand new in business and they had something like they wanted to sell a product or they were a service provider and they wanted to productize whatever they were selling. And it was like the very first digital product they'd ever created and it worked profitably for them too. So it's like, it does check a lot of boxes. I mean, you get more visibility. So you get more followers because people will just see you. Your email list grows. It like shifts the brand perception too. When people start seeing you in their newsfeed, it's like they think about you on a little bit different level than if you're just in a Facebook group and you're like, hey, yelling, telling really long value posts by my stuff. It's like it's a different mindset behind how people perceive your brand too. Yeah, for sure. So if, if somebody's really early in their business, they're like barely making any money, they naturally gravitate towards a tiny offer type of funnel. Mm-hmm. When they don't know their audience, they haven't validated anything, but they go there because they hear from you and your students essentially like, hey, this is something that works really well. So what would you say to that level of online course creator or coach? I mean, if you don't have clarity in in who it's for, it's definitely not a great place to start because so much of it is connection through direct response copywriting. And if you can't speak to your audience, like if you don't know who your audience is, it's never going to work. Like people who come in and they have this broad offer or, you know, they don't have any validation that anyone's willing to pay for something like this. And then they just because it's a small price point doesn't mean that it's going to be easier to sell. So you still have to like you still need the long form sales pages and you still need all of the verbiage and the and knowing what it is that your audience actually wants. So if people aren't even at that point, then it would not work. 
Yeah. And a key thing there that you said, and by the way, guys, everybody listening, like what Ali just said, as far as knowing your audience and how to speak to them, ding, ding, ding. This is something I talk about all the time here on the show. So many think that, oh, my, I didn't set my ads up right, or I don't know ads manager, or my whatever isn't working. Nine times out of 10, it's because people don't know, have a really, really good and deep understanding of their target, their perfect customer. And so you made a really good point there too. When it comes to that, and they think like, oh, it's just a $27 offer, quote unquote. So I don't need a long sales page. Talk about that for a sec. Oh, so good. Um, So Dan Kennedy, who's like my favorite copywriter ever, and the way he explained it in one of his books, it's like the ultimate sales letter. So it's about old school sales letters where you would like print it out and photocopy it and then mail it with a stamp, that type of sales letter. But it still really applies to what we teach or what we talk about with the online sales pages, like the long form, because there's two types of buyers. There's like the analytical buyer who wants to read every letter of your FAQ section and they want to know all the bonuses and they want to know, you know, every single detail about your product. There's like those analytical people that will read the whole sales page. But then there's also the efficiency buyers who are more like they're scanning the headlines and they're looking at the overall view of what's included. Maybe they'll scan through one of the testimonials, but they're still looking at all the sections, but they're just not reading all the different words. So like if you can attract both types of buyers, that's when the long form sales copy really comes into play. And what I found is there's like 24 different sections that when you can connect and you can empathize with your audience and you help them feel understood, that's going to help it convert so much more so than just like, here's the product. Do you want it? Like when it's cold traffic, people need to connect with it because there isn't pre established trust. Like they have no idea who you are. They don't know if you're actually going to do the thing that you say you're going to do. Or if the product is even going to be delivered, like people are so they're just waiting to be ripped off when they buy something online, you know. So it's like to mm. build that trust um, and have like a guarantee section and have all the different pieces of the sales page. That's what really makes these offers convert. Is because the most attractive piece is the price point because it is based on that impulse purchase. But there's no pre-established trust, so you really have to build that up through the copy. Yeah, for sure. And I saw one recently where. One of my students had this kind of, you know, a tiny offer. I forget how much it was. And the sales page is really short. And that was one of the first things that we looked at. I was like, hey, we need to lengthen this for those exact reasons because somebody coming in from cold traffic on Facebook or Instagram, for example, they don't know you. You need to build that trust. And yes, it's quote unquote only a whatever $27 offer, but you still have to build that trust with them to get them to take that next action. Now yeah. they purchase, then they go to a bump offer. What do you call it? I call it an order bump. Okay. So an order yeah. bump, they purchase the $27 offer and then it's, okay, what's the positioning of the next offer? So the concept is meeting them with a thing that they think they need, um, which we've talked about as experts. Sometimes it's it's a little like you feel like you're selling out almost in a way sometimes. Like if you're in the fitness industry and all people really want is a 21 day fix and you're like, no, but you need to sleep and you need nutrition and you need to drink enough water. You know, it's hard to meet people with the thing that they think they need sometimes. But that's the starting point is what are they waking up thinking about? Like, oh, I really wish I could do blank in your industry. So that's the main offer. The order bump is the thing that will help them get results faster with that. So for me, it was like, if they're doing live streams and then they repurpose those live streams, they're going to get more visible and they'll get more clients. 
And then the one-time offer or the upsell, I kind of use those interchangeably, but that's the thing that they'll need next. So if they're being visible or going live to be visible and then repurposing it, the thing they'll they'll need to know how to do to actually have the next level of success is to be able to sell to people after they've done a live stream. So gotcha. it kind of follows that flow. Okay. So let's just say somebody knows their audience, but they don't have much of an email list. They don't have much of an online presence, et cetera. Good place to start, you think? Yeah. Like doing research. No, I mean, like, let's just say they do know they have a really good understanding of their perfect customer. Actually, here's a good question. Before I get to that question, it's aligning with that lead magnet or tiny offer. I'm sure you get this question a lot. Yeah. Lead magnet being like not a, a flow or not a product suite, you know, just like a single Correct. replacement. Yep. What I've found is when, if you want to really help people ascend, it's the low of products in a tiny offer suite that helps people to become like the high ticket type buyers because you're saving them so much time. It seems like a lot of tripwires are just like, here's a workshop I'm going to throw in, or here's something that's kind of related. It has a lower cart value and it doesn't really help them feel as invested. It's almost just like another file type, you know, like when you get a freebie and you just file it on your desktop. It's like, yeah, you're like tripwires kind of do that too. But tiny offers are such an immersive experience that it helps people to solidify their relationship with you as the provider. So the psychology here is we are acquiring a more qualified person into the business versus a lead magnet. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because they're paying, they're paying, here's 27 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think when they ascend into different offers and then it's a like almost a mini course that has videos or it has like a Trello board they can download or like these different elements that I teach to include in the product suite, it makes them have such a great experience with your product. It helps you to really over deliver. Yeah, that's a really key point there. The over delivery. You want them saying like, I paid $27 for this. And it's like, you know, all of this. Can you give other examples of what would be a good first starting point in the tiny offer funnel? Yeah. So I have a, a student that sells a decluttering program and it's like a 30 mm. day checklist to go through your home and and look at these different areas. And then it upsells into her program that's called minimalish. And it's like about being more minimal, but not being, you know, just like having a single vase on a table like that. I love, I love that name. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, she's serving moms and serving people who are, you know, building a, a home and a family. So like, there's that side. And then in the fitness industry, the things that I've seen work really well are like very specific programs. So like an ab program or a butt program or like something that's a specific body part, which, you know, again, as a fitness person, you're like, that doesn't actually make that much of a difference. You need the holistic yeah. view, but having those types of offers that feel like it's a new opportunity. I think that's one of the really big things too, is our brains love novelty. So when you can make it feel like it's a new framework or a new way to do something and you make it feel like it's a, a small bite-sized easy button for people, that helps it sell a lot faster. I love it. Let's talk Facebook ads. Oh boy. <laughs> so we were talking about this guys before I hit record with Dali here. And I know that every single one of you listening right now runs Facebook or Instagram ads. No, I'm just kidding. So for those of you guys who are running ads or have been running ads recently, you know there's been a ton of volatility in the prices and uh, or the lead costs and lead costs are up and the numbers being reported are down. You know, I just at the time recording this, I just had a call with my rep at Facebook earlier this week and they're like, "Yeah, this is happening right now." You know, the biggest reason, you know, sort of being reported, quote unquote, is because of the preparation for the iOS privacy updates and stuff like that. So, Ali, with the tiny offer funnel, you obviously have to make the numbers work. Let's talk about how things have shifted over the past couple of years 
in making this sort of funnel work with your ads? And like, what are you seeing now? Yeah. I mean, I think from a teaching Facebook ads perspective, it's this is like the hardest time I've ever <laughs> experienced yeah. with teaching because like there is a level of patience and trust that has to go into what ads are doing right now. Because when people are trying to optimize or they're trying to scale and they're like, wait, my lead costs were like $15 yesterday and today they're $30 and, and tomorrow, you know, they might be back down to 17. So they're like, there's not a lot of predictability in what's happening with ads. So it's like really helping people to just trust the process and look at things week over week or, you know, like testing new creative and just not getting discouraged quickly. Cause I feel like people are, they're just feeling a lot more discouraged if they're new to running Facebook ads. Yeah. One of the questions I get all the time is like, wait, I'm losing money on my funnel because I'm losing money on the front end offer, that initial offer. Talk about yeah. that for a second. Yeah. I mean, I, I think another really important thing for people to know is having that big picture vision of what your numbers are doing. Because I mean, maybe you can afford to break even on the front end offer as long as you've got it dialed in to be able to nurture them or upsell them into what your your higher ticket thing is. A lot of people don't get to that point or they don't pay that close of attention to their numbers. So really getting UTM URLs created for your ads so you know what's working and using some third-party tracking softwares is more important now than ever. Yeah. So with that, I have two questions. Are you optimizing for purchase from ad to the $27 offer? Or is there another objective? I'm assuming that you're doing conversions to your objective, but you're optimizing for purchase. Is that correct? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And we used to do, you know, more custom conversion optimization. And we had a lot of really good luck with doing that and like optimizing it for the thank you page. But now it's like the purchase conversion is the standard event is so much more predictable. Yeah, exactly. And and guys, I just talked about this exact thing in my new weekly blend newsletter. We're talking about like, look, Facebook is recommending that we shift actually from custom conversions over to standard events for several reasons. One of the reasons that Ali just mentioned is like when we use a standard event, there's more data to pull from, if you will, when we use, say, like a purchase standard event so they can optimize better. The other thing is like at this point right now, we have eight, <laughs> we have eight conversion events that we are given, if you will, inside of Business Manager, because you know, this is one of the changes that Facebook has made with the iOS rollout. So if we have 47 custom conversions for <laughs> We're kind of screwed a right. little bit. All right. So conversions objective, optimizing for purchase. Mm -hmm. What are the numbers that people are really supposed to be looking at when it comes to this kind of tiny offer funnel? What I ended up doing is building like a custom spreadsheet for people that I call the tiny offer tracker that just looks at like all these different places where things can break down in this type of funnel. So what we really look at first is like, what's the click through rate? Is 1% actually clicking through and looking at your sales page or is it lower than that? Because when we are below 1%, it's like it's either not a good audience or the copy isn't really grabbing them for whatever reason. But for a lot of people, when this is like their first funnel or their first go at Facebook ads, understanding that you know it is a funnel and there are drop off points at all these different areas so what do we need to look at for you know conversion rate from people who just look at the sales page and never put in their information or people who buy the main offer but not the order bump because it's reliant on people buying the order bump and the one time offer to make it profitable so if you're not converting at certain levels on these different drop off points that's when it shifts into not being profitable <laughs> which yeah. you know so I'm always talking about like how do we get your ad costs down and how do we get your average cart value up because if those two aren't in the right balance then that's where they're going to lose a lot of money on the front and it's the like average cart value, it's not the initial 
sale friends that where you're making the money. You're making the money off of the the order bumps. Now, mm-hmm. I get this question all the time. What are general percentages that people are hopefully should be experiencing, quote unquote, from conversion on the initial sale, next order bump, next order bump? Yeah, I think I'm at about 20% on my main offer um, from mm-hmm. the sales page to purchasing the main offer. And then I think it's about 15% order bump add-on. And then from that, it's usually about 10% on the one-time offer. You're getting 20% on the first one? Yeah. On the live stream funnel, I have been. Now, it, when people are just starting out, I mean, you've been doing yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, like 12 expert. to 15 would, be, would yeah. be good. Yeah. Okay. Now, along those same lines, the question that I know that you get a ton, I get all the time, how much should I spend on this type of funnel? So yeah. if someone's just starting out, they have no baseline for stats along the funnel, what do you recommend people starting at? Usually at $30 a day is what I say to start at. Because if they can even make one sale with the $30 a day, then they're going to be at break-even point or at least you know, hopefully make more depending on what the average cart value is. Yeah. Then scaling from there. What do you say? <laughs> no, I like that. I mean, it really I'm comes curious. down to the numbers, right? You just got to, yeah. you just have to test it out. So, are you pretty firm in that initial offer being 27 bucks? No, no. I mean, anywhere sub 50. So, like anything that's 47, 37, 27. Okay. And a lot of people will ask, like, well, what if I don't have time to get my order bump created or my one time offer created? Can I just launch the, just the main offer? And I'm like, you can, but that's, you know, all your profit is going to come from the order bump and the, the one time offer. I get that question a lot too. Now, what if somebody wants to start something at like $9, let's just say too low? Yeah, it's harder. In your experience? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, harder to make look, a profit off of it. Yeah. When I look at my average cost per purchase, like it's usually about $25 or so is what it's been consistently over the last two years. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I like the $30 a day because to start at at least, because mm-hmm. you're just gathering data at first. And if you make ones, like you just said, like if it's costing me 25 bucks to acquire a customer, all right, and I'm spending 30, but I mean, you're still going to be making money off the, hopefully off the bumps and stuff like that. Yes. So if we're converting at 12 to 15 on the, on the initial offer, and then from the bumps from there, let's talk pricing on the other bumps. Let's just say that we're starting at 27. Mm -hmm. Do you have kind of a formula for people to follow from a pricing standpoint on each of the bumps? So I did some consulting with Frank Kern and I was telling him like what I teach. And he's like, you know, you can't tell people like what price point to use, right? Like the FTC will probably not be a fan of that. So now I have to be like very cautious and like, this is what I do. So my order bump is $37. um, And then my one-time offer is 77, but I've seen all the way up to like 197 work really well. Anything that's like 297, 397, the conversion rate drops way down. Uh, so it's, I always tell people, like, watch your numbers. And if you sell it at 20% when it's 197 and sell it at 1% when it's 297, like, where is that break point where it's not going to be worth it to have it at the higher price point anymore? Yeah, I like it. And everybody who listens right now and has been listening knows it's the most maddening answer, but it's really about testing. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. It, yeah. It just gotta, you just got to get in there and start doing it. Now, I have two more questions. And I think maybe we can talk about this for a few minutes right now. What we we're talking about beforehand, we, for those of us who have online businesses, really should be looking at, and we always should be doing this, but diversifying our traffic, getting people into our funnels, especially with the volatility of late, you know, with Facebook ads. 
are you have you tested the tiny offer funnels with other platforms with other paid strategies? Yeah, so I've done Google ads, um, I've done Pinterest ads, I have YouTube ads running, and I just built an Etsy shop full of my tiny offers, <laughs> just because I oh. I googled like where is the most traffic happening on the internet on a daily basis, and it was like Pinterest, Etsy, like all these different places that people are hanging out, and I was like, okay, cool, I want to be on all of them. Yeah. So just really digging in and, and learning. But it is interesting because it's such a different experience if someone's Googling something. Like I was talking to my husband about this this morning about how we're both kind of getting sick of Facebook. And he's like, I go on Facebook when I want to go shopping. <laughs> like he's not a marketer by any means, but he's like, their ads are so good that like I always see something I want to buy when I'm in the mood to, you know, find something fun. But that's not necessarily the case when you're Googling something. Like you want an answer or you want content. On Pinterest, you want to save something and come back to it later. So it doesn't like the conversion is not as hot when it's on these other sources. It still happens sure, and sure. it's profitable with the paid media, but it's not like, you know, 3x, 4x your money back at times. You said you're running YouTube ads right now? Yeah, I'm running YouTube ads for my Evergreen webinar. How is that working? Eh, I mean, it's still optimizing. And I feel like, well, I set them up myself and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm <laughs> like really digging in and um, you know, learning and looking at the numbers. So it's like break even, but it's not, it's not fantastic yet. Gotcha. But gotcha. I have one ad. So I'm like, all the things I know about ads, like I should be testing lots of different creative and lots of videos. And like it was kind of a set it and forget it kind of thing, which, you know, I have ADD a little bit. So I probably <laughs> should probably go look at those. <laughs> But I think that's a great thing that you did. You literally Googled what are the high, most highly trafficked sites on a day-to-day basis. You're like, yeah. all right, let's try. If it makes sense, let's try to be there. Mm-hmm. If my audience is there. What's your favorite book that you've read in the past 12 months? Ooh, that's a good one. The one that always stands out that I like read and reread is The Millionaire Fastlane because that was like the first book I ever read that just made me think about money a lot differently and like showing up and and making your money work for you. And I'd never thought about like legacy wealth before. Like, what do I want this business to do? Like, what am I building long term? What's the point of it? So I think that book was really eye opening for the underlying why and like thinking of my kids as my shareholders in in the company. Like, what are what are they getting from this? What am I setting up our family for long term? I love that. Like, my kids are the shareholders in the company. What's in it for them long term? Mm-hmm. Boom. I think it's a great place to end. So where can people find out more about you? Where can people get into your tiny offer funnels, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. So my website is really like the hub for everything. And and fortunately, with having a strange last name, I own all the handles under Ali Bjerk. So it's just <laughs> A-L-L-I-E-B-J-E-R-K.com. And then that's where I hang out on Instagram too, is under that same handle. That's where I spend most of my time on social media. Awesome. Uh, guys, I'll link out all of Ali's links up in the show notes for today's episode. Ali, thank you so much for coming on today. Super appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you are an online course creator, you're an online coach, and you're already averaging at least six to 8K per month in revenue in your online business, and you really want to scale towards seven figures, right? But you are just spinning your wheels now. You're not really sure what next steps that you need to be taking in order to grow the business without working longer and harder because that leads to burnout. And I am speaking from experience there. It is no fun. And I'm seeing it more and more from people joining my accelerator coaching program. And then I get to help them overcome that. And so if you are in that overwhelm, if you're in that burnout, if you are not really sure what next steps that you should be taking in your business in order to grow it without working longer and harder, then I want to encourage you to apply for my accelerator coaching program. Okay. Go to rickmulready.com forward slash accelerator 
You can learn more and apply for the program right there. All right, my friend, as always, I super appreciate you. If you've not yet left a rating and review for the podcast over on Apple Podcasts, that would be a huge, huge help for me and the show. Super appreciate that. Also, make sure to subscribe to that podcast so you don't miss any episodes that we do here on the show. So until next time, my friend, be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Do you want to avoid the seven biggest mistakes that burn through course creators' ad money? I see these over and over and over again, and I put them together in a mini email series. This is not fluff. Each of the seven mistakes, I also have a recorded video tutorial showing you inside of Facebook Ad Manager how to fix those mistakes. This is good, solid, and it will save you money or help you make more money with your Facebook ads click down in the show notes below. You'll see the link and you can go download it right now for free.